2010, it seemed like things were finally getting back on track. We were pregnant with our second kid, and my photography business was actually picking up some decent momentum. We felt hopeful for the first time in a while. Hope is always relative to your past, and in light of our past, finding a nickel on the sidewalk was pretty hopeful. So gaining some success and credibility as a photographer offered a much needed boost to our spirits. Every time I slung my cameras around my neck and headed out to shoot something, I felt like I was conquering the world. Stick around and I'll tell you all about it. I'm Jacob Slayton and this is my entire life. So as the year got started, we were feeling pretty optimistic about the future. I had landed a gig shooting for the Clinton School of Public Service as an assistant photographer whenever the main photographer needed me, which ended up being a nice steady paycheck. And the construction job I was managing on the side was a nice supplement to our income, although it was coming to a close. The Clinton School gig was actually really awesome. The way it worked was about two or three or sometimes four or five times a week, um, I would have to go and shoot uh, these public events at the Clinton School, which uh, the Clinton School is in the University of Arkansas system, and it's a, um, a higher education school where you can get a master's degree in public service. So it's a, it's a grad school. And uh, it was really, really cool. Uh, the, the guy that was shooting there um, as their main photographer um, needed some help, and, and they were just kind of keeping him too busy and everything, and he couldn't handle it all, so he needed a, a sidekick. And one of my buddies uh, actually worked at the Clinton School, and he suggested me um, when their main photographer asked you know, if anybody knew of someone that, that might uh, want to be uh, the second shooter for this for this job. And so they called me and basically they paid me um, $100 uh, every time I showed up and it would basically be an hour of, of shooting either at noon or at 6 p.m. And uh, I would go in there and shoot for the whole hour. Um, and it was always like a guest speaker that was coming in. And the people that they had coming in were always interesting. Like it was writers and actors and, you know, sometimes heads of state from, from different countries or governors or senators, the congressmen. And, um, sometimes it was, you know, just public servants or people that ran a nonprofit or something like that. Or they would have, um, you know, anytime our local, uh, theater, the rep, the Arkansas repertory theater would have a new, uh, production coming out. Uh, they would have the cast and crew uh, and the director come and do a little session there. And, and it was cool. It was really fun. It was really easy. And, uh, you know, I'd go shoot it for an hour and then go home. And either that night or the next morning, I would uh, I'd go through and edit like, you know, maybe 15 to 20 shots of it, send them to my guy and uh, the main photographer. And then they would they would go online, you know, as just part of the public record for things that were happening there. And it was a pretty sweet gig, you know. Um, and, and like I said, it was just a nice paycheck, you know. I was making basically, you know, two, three, sometimes $400 a week shooting for this thing during the school year, which which was really great. And uh, like I said, the construction job that I was managing for my buddy Blake, 
was was wrapping up, but it was like a really nice paycheck for me. Um, it, it was just a really, really great, steady thing to do. And I was using my construction skills. And basically, all I was doing on this job was supervising, scheduling contractors, getting subs, uh, you know, getting bids and stuff, and, and just kind of getting the job going. Um, and it was just fun. I had something to do, and, and it was kind of that problem-solving stuff that I really enjoyed. And uh, so, so the beginning of the year was, was pretty nice. Um, I was also booking a lot of weddings during this time, and it just felt amazing. I felt like we were just like rocketing towards the moon and like this, this sort of lofty idea that I had had in my head for, you know, a couple of years was like actually working, you know? And after the year of 2009, that was really slow and difficult. And especially the prior year of 2008, 2010 felt like just an absolute miracle happening every day. You know, we were, we were booking jobs and um, you know, I was just staying busy with stuff. And so getting these weddings and things like that. And, you know, I was getting to where I was shooting a wedding at least once a month, if not twice a month. And so I'm pretty sure at that time I was charging, um, $2,800 was kind of the standard wedding package that I did. Um, but sometimes I would do $1,800 if it was just like a much smaller deal. And sometimes if it was a really big deal and I needed a second shooter or maybe even a third shooter, you know, it would go up from there. But that was generally the, the basic, uh, you know, price that I was running for weddings. And it was just working out, you know. I was kind of on the, uh, you know, I would call myself a mid-range wedding photographer um, at that time where, like, there was plenty of people that cost a lot more than me and there was plenty of people that cost a lot less than me. But I was kind of right in the middle, which which I was, I was kind of thinking was the sweet spot, you know. I didn't want to be the most expensive or the least expensive. And I knew that I was putting out a quality product, you know, and my uh, couples that I was shooting for were always happy. And, you know, it was just, it was just a fun gig. And I just, like I said, I just loved it. Every time I got to go out the door with my cameras just felt amazing. And the fact that I didn't have to, like, you know, dress any certain way or be anywhere at 8am to 5pm or 6pm, it just, it literally just felt like I was on vacation um, all the time, and it was just so amazing. Now, we didn't have like a lot of money at the time, but again, relative to our past, we felt pretty rich, you know. In the meantime, Micaiah was growing more and more pregnant every day, and we were starting to kind of prepare for the birth of our first son in July. We had had our daughter, Emma, two years prior, and we were going to welcome a little boy into the world. And, uh, you know, it was just cool. Like, you know, as a man, um, I, you know, most men want sons for whatever reason. Some don't. I really did. And it was just exciting to to be able to have a son, you know. And, of course, I was wildly excited about having a daughter, too. Um, and so, I don't know, it was just cool to be able to, look forward to having both a boy and a girl, you know, it was just exciting. And uh, it was really cool the way that we, um, you know, earlier that year in the springtime, you know, we were trying to think of names, you know, and coming up with names. And for some reason, like, it seemed like boy names were a little bit harder than girl names to come up with. Because, you know, in my mind, like, 
there's so many girl names that are that are cute and like make a great kid's name, but also make a great, you know, adult woman name that's not, I don't know, too too childish or whatever. Um, but boy names seemed like a little bit harder to me for some reason. So we had kind of tossed a couple names around, um, but we just weren't really landing on anything. And one weekend, I had uh, spent the weekend up in Newton County on the Buffalo River, and I was driving home, and I was listening to Warren Zevon, and uh, you know, just cruising down the roads listening to Warren Zevon, and and this song came on that you know just kind of it was just kind of the right song for the right moment, you know. And I was listening to the words, and there's a line in there um, that says it's funny because I ended up being mistaken later. But uh, what I heard in the line was, you and me and Wynn. And I thought, oh, the name Wynn is really cool. Um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, that, maybe that's a good name for our son. You know, maybe I'll suggest that to Makai. And the rest of the drive, I was just thinking, you and me and Wynn. And I was like, this is so great. Like, I, I love this. I want to name our kid Wynn. And I went home and told Makai, and she was like, I really like it, you know? And, and that was kind of, that was just fun because, you know, when you're picking out names, you say a lot of names, and you got to both jive on the same one, you know? And when I said when, she was just like, yeah, that's, that's his name, you know? And so it was like almost immediate that we picked that name. Turned out later that the lyric was not you and me and when, the lyric was you and me and the wind. Um, so... It's funny, like, it was like God was just giving me that name, even though, you know, it wasn't even really in the song. And so we decided to name our son Wynn. And uh, so that was cool. You know, we had the name and it was just exciting. Like, she's 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 growing pregnant and everything. We were feeling like we could actually, you know, pay for the birth and things like that. And really, you know, around that time, we had just kind of all the worry that we had about money was kind of just faded away, you know. And again, it's not because we had a lot of it, but it was just because, you know, we just started to believe that, like, God does provide, you know. And if you uh, if you work hard and you, uh, you know, you put in a strong effort, you know, things are going to work out okay. You know, maybe maybe that's not always true for everybody, but that that was true for us, you know, and and it has re- really remained true, and so uh, you know, it it was just a interesting like peaceful time, you know, and when you know that God's going to provide for you, you don't really have anything to worry about, so the worries just kind of faded out, and when you got nothing to worry about, you are rich, right? You know, it doesn't money always goes away, you know, you're always going to spend money, and then you're always going to make more money. You know, the money is always going to come and go. You know, I heard somebody say, money isn't really yours when you have it. It's just your turn to spend it. You know, you spend it and then somebody else spends it and then somebody else, you know, it just, it's this never ending thing. The only thing that you can't make more of is time. You can always make more money, but you can't make any more time. My my buddy Aaron says that all the time. And, uh, you know, it's just true. And that's, that was our kind of philosophy at the time. And so the spring continues on and kind of goes into summer and, now it's June and July, and like I said, I'm you know June is a big wedding month. I'm shooting lots of weddings, and we're doing all right. And the construction job had wrapped up. And one day in early July, I was having lunch with a buddy of mine at uh, Boulevard Bread here in Little Rock. And this is the same guy who worked for the Clinton School. And he had taken me out to lunch to uh, offer me the job of being the um, 
primary photographer at the Clinton School. So prior to that, I was the secondary photographer. And it turned out that the primary photographer that I was working for, um, he was going to go to law school. And so there was an opening. And, uh, and so my buddy Ben said, you know, would you like this job? And I said, absolutely, man, sign me up. Like, you, you can't really believe how great of a gig this was for me. Um, it was it was a steady, regular paycheck um, that was going to happen all throughout the school year, basically just having the summer off. Um, but throughout the school year, I was going to be busy every week. Um, and, what you know, this is the thing about photography. Most of the jobs that you get are going to be one-off. You know, you, you shoot one wedding and then you hope to get another wedding or you shoot a family session for somebody and you hope to, you know, do it again next year or maybe two years down the road. But most of your clients are not coming back every week or even every month. And so this job with the Clinton School was just, it was a dream come true. It was absolutely a miracle. And so I told Ben, like, sign me up, dude, 100%. I'll do whatever you guys need, you know, and... and Let's make it happen, right? Now, this was really cool. While I was sitting there at lunch with him, I get a phone call. And on my phone, the caller ID said, the New York Times. And I was like, whoa, uh, number one, I don't even know why my caller ID says the New York Times. I don't have that number, but like, they're just such a legit company that like, I don't know. It was cool seeing that pop up. And so I said, Hey man, this is an interesting call. Uh, do you mind if I step outside and take this? And he's like, dude, absolutely take the job or take the call. And, uh, so I step outside and it was a lady calling from the New York times. And, uh, she said that, uh, she had a photo job for me if I was interested in it, um, for July 23rd. Um, and it was, a, a photo job about the famous watermelons from Hope, Arkansas. Uh, now, if you're from Arkansas, you've probably heard about the Hope Watermelon Festival, and uh, and so there's just like famous watermelons from Hope, and uh, and and they were going to do like this Hope Watermelon Festival, and I was going to go down there and shoot it with this uh, lady that was calling me. Her name was Kim, and she was going to fly down, and uh, then I was going to drive us down to Hope and shoot the uh, the day of looking at watermelons and whatnot. And it was going to be, you know, for the New York Times to go in the actual newspaper. And I mean, I was just psyched out of my freaking mind for it. And so I was like, yes, absolutely. It's amazing. I would love to do it. I don't even remember what they paid me for that job. I want to say it was like $250 for the day or maybe $350. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it wasn't like a huge paycheck, but it's the New York Times, right? So, yeah, you say yes to the New York Times. So I said, absolutely, let's do it. And go back inside. And that's when I told Ben, like, give me the job for the Clinton School. Great. So, like, I'm landing two killer jobs in one day, right? And it turned out that both of those jobs came to me from the previous photographer at the Clinton School. Uh, it was this guy named Nima. And, uh, like I said, he was going to law school. And, but, you know, so he had to kind of quit photography. But he was one of the guys that would shoot occasionally for the New York Times for anything that was happening in Arkansas. And so, Nima said to the New York Times people, hey, I'm not really shooting anymore, but call Jacob. And so that's how they got my number. So thank you, Nima, if you're listening to this, for uh, giving me that reference because that was huge for me. And also for turning over the Clinton School stuff to me. Thank you, dude. You're my hero. Um, so 
I got the New York Times job coming up, and I've got the Clinton School job that's going to start back up uh, in the fall. And uh, a few weeks later, um, you know, it's sort of the middle of July, and Micaiah's very close to, um, you know, having this baby. I don't remember exactly what our due date was for when, but, uh, you know, it was getting pretty close. So she's, like, having contractions and stuff like that. And uh, on July 21st, she's fully going into labor, right? And so I was just, you know, it's so exciting. And, you know, to be honest, in my mind, you know, it was a, it was a very interesting, um, like, 24 hours for me because I was, uh, I was like, coming down with, like, a, a summer cold, you know, and so it was kind of weird, and I was, wasn't feeling real great, but, like, Makai's, you know, very pregnant and everything, and I'm, you know, I don't know, I'm just starting to feel nervous, like, I feel like I'm getting sick, but this baby's coming very soon, and so basically what happened was I had, uh, I had worked on some photos, uh, I was kind of spending my time editing photos at Starbucks, and uh, I had worked on some photos up there in the morning, and then I went and had lunch with a friend, and then uh, Micaiah calls me and says, like, hey, we're going to go over to the pool at your parents' house. You know, do you want to come with us? And I said, you know, absolutely. And then we were going to have dinner after that at their house. And so I said, yeah, yeah. So I kind of wrapped up my stuff, went home, packed up. We go over to my parents' house to go to the pool and have dinner with them. And when we got there, I just wasn't feeling great. And I remember saying, like, hey, if it's cool with you, I might skip the swimming and just go lay down and, like, try to get some rest because I was just tired and not feeling great. And and I just really felt like the baby was coming soon because she had been having contractions, you know, over the nights and stuff like that. And I just wanted to be, like, rested up for that. So I go take a nap, and I just kind of crash hard and everything. And the, the family goes and swims at the pool, Micaiah and Emma and my parents. And then, uh, you know, they come home and, and we're getting ready to eat dinner and everything. And so I get up and we're eating dinner and stuff. And, you know, Micaiah was really kind of feeling very, very close around dinner time. And I remember my mom was getting all excited and, you know, sort of jumping the gun about everything. And, and uh, you know, it just felt like the baby was possibly coming pretty soon. And so, uh, so anyway, we drive home from my parents' house and, you know, we, we go to bed and everything. And, and I remember waking up, um, you know, sort of middle of the evening, middle middle of the night, basically, like not really sure what time it was, but I wake up to uh, my wife, like kind of moaning and having this these contractions and stuff. And it was, you know, pretty serious. Like it seemed like it was much more serious than like, you know, the earlier contractions that she had had. And so, you know, we start, you know, talking and like, I remember this, uh, there, like the scene was basically, we're in our bedroom, in our bed, and the lights are off and we're having this like kind of whispery conversation in the dark. And we're kind of just whispering like, well, what do you think? Is it, you know, how are you feeling? Is it time? Do we need to call Cora or Dula? Long story short, we end up calling Cora. She comes over, you know, she was over for a little while. She checks Micaiah after a while. You know, they had lots of contractions there at the house. And just like with Emma, we're listening to Sigur Ross music and this kind of chill vibe. And Cora's so great and kind of just, she's so relaxing and everything. And she's giving Micaiah massages and stuff. And eventually we, you know, we say like, hey, let's, you know, it's time to go to the hospital. So we go to the hospital and I think it was, you know, roughly like 2 a.m. when we're going to the hospital. And I'll never forget 
driving to the hospital. Um, and we had actually called my mom and she came over to, uh, stay at the house because Emma was asleep. And when my mom got to the house, you know, we, we went and headed to the hospital and driving to the hospital, it's me and Micaiah in the car and Cora's following behind us. And we're driving down six thirty towards Baptist hospital. And I remember it was like one of those odd, like summer nights where it's just very still and very calm. And I remember the moon just being just really large in the sky and just hanging really low in the sky, right above Baptist Hospital. And it was just one of those peaceful summer nights. And strangely enough, there was like no one else on the interstate in front of or behind us or going the other direction. It was just just pure peace. You know, it's just really, really kind of a nice peaceful moment of just kind of driving casually, you know, to the hospital. This is our second time to have a kid. It's still a big deal, but we feel like we've kind of been there before. And again, my wife is just such a trooper when it comes to this kind of thing. She was made for many things, but one of them was definitely, um, you know, to to have these babies, you know, and do it really well and do it properly and do it the, the way that she wanted to do it. And you could just, I felt this sense of like, She's in the zone, you know. She's absolutely in her zone right now. And it was, it's just something to behold, you know. And so we're driving, the moon's hanging low in the sky, and we pull into the parking lot, and, you know, we, we park and everything. And this time, you know, we're walking down the jetway or, or the walkway or whatever um, to, to the, from the parking deck to the hospital. And some, somebody, just like the first time, somebody came by and offered her a wheelchair, and she took the wheelchair this time, you know. And uh, we rolled her in and everything. It was just so, so cool and so chill. And uh, we go in there and, you know, we get checked in and they, you know, put on the the, uh, monitor and everything like that. And once again, she had, you know, a baby with absolutely no anesthesia or drugs, epidural, none of that stuff. She just went in the room and, and laid down on the bed and had a baby. And the whole, like, actually having the baby and pushing part is just like this whirlwind of uh it, it's just like this cluster of memories in my brain that sort of don't really line up in any chronological time but basically what i remember is getting in there getting plugged in getting the monitors on getting comfortable and the contractions start getting strong and the doctor comes in and out and the nurses are checking and Makai starts pushing and i pass out completely <laughs> Um, just for a second, but I'm, I'm standing there again, I was feeling sick and it's not like I was terribly focused on myself, but you know, I wasn't at a hundred percent and I was tired and, you know, I was just getting that weird sort of summer cold and I don't know if that had anything to do with it or what, but, uh, I, I black out and I literally just kind of, I remember my like vision goes black and I, I fall backwards and, uh, you know, I think that it all happened sort of slowly enough uh, to where I said something like, ooh, I'm not feeling so good. And this nurse kind of zips around and, and uh, jumps in behind me with a chair and I'd sort of land in the chair, you know. And, uh, and I, I wasn't out for more than just a few seconds, but I remember waking up to a nurse, um, you know, sort of real close to me and she had like a, 
a juice box or something like that and and gave me a juice box and was like you okay sweetie okay you know take your time but like let's get it together here you know drink this and wake up and we got work to do you know and uh, I remember kind of coming back to and and sort of chugging this little juice box real quick and you know Micaiah was focused on her thing and Cora's doing her thing and so you know it was but it was just like funny like that's just that's just what happened and uh you know, before long, you know, we had the baby. And really this time, in my memory, the actual having of the baby was much smoother uh, than with Emma. It was like less drama. Of course, it was extremely challenging for Micaiah, just just like any time you're going to have a baby without any kind of anesthesia. Um, but, you know, we had this baby, a little beautiful baby boy and 10 fingers, 10 toes and you know, had all his parts and everything, and it was just so cool to hold my little son, you know, my little boy, my little baby boy, my little buddy, um, Windbender Slayton. Uh, it's just, just such a special, just magical moment. Uh, I mean, just becoming a parent for the first time is one thing, and but the the other times don't diminish at all. They're all just as meaningful and exciting, and just wild you know and again like I felt like you know I had this very very um specific vision and memory of like getting another heart in my chest you know like that's what it feels like to me you know when I had Emma I felt like I got another heart like jammed in there that that beats with me and when we had Wynn I felt like another heart just jammed in there and beats with me you know and now I've got this chest full of hearts. And these are hearts that, uh, that beat strong with life, but they also can be broken. And it's like with every kid, with every new person you put in your life, you know, you, you allow more love in, but you also allow more potential for pain in, you know. And that's what life is about, I guess, you know, loving people and, and feeling, you know, and being alive and you know, just uh, sharing yourself with others and and caring for someone to the degree that you do when you're their parent, you know, or there's other types of relationships that are similar. I mean, I don't know if anything really compares to having a kid or adopting a kid, but becoming a parent, being a parent, that's, it's just a different kind of relationship than, than any other kind of relationship with you that you have with, with anyone else. And uh, it was just like, oh, you know, it's just so true and so real and so heavy and so just meaningful. And, and it was just an amazing, amazing feeling. And I remember he was born just before 4 a.m. on July 22nd, 2010. And so it's the, you know, the wee hours of the morning, basically, but it's still essentially the middle of the night. And, uh, you know, we're exhausted and, you know, you, you can't be more exhausted than, than this type of thing, emotionally, physically, mentally, you know, it's just, just wild. And so, you know, you crash pretty hard and just like with Emma, I, you know, I was up, you know, kind of taking care of when, while Micaiah was getting her rest. And, uh, you know, so when, when the day kind of rolled around and Micaiah woke up and everything, you know, and we're marveling at our baby boy and talking and everything and, and, uh, and I get an email uh, from the New York Times reminding me that we have a photo shoot with the Hope Watermelons tomorrow, the very next day, uh, July 23rd. 
And I go, oh my God, I, I, you know, I hadn't forgotten about it, but it just sort of was outside of my brain for a minute. And um, so I was like, what do I do? You know, and I bring it up to Makai and I was like, hey, okay, so uh, we need to talk about this. Like, I don't know what to do here uh, because I want to be here in the hospital with you guys. But this is like a huge opportunity too, (laughs) you know? And uh, I just, I, I was just like, what do you think, babe? You know, what What do you think here? And we talked about it for a little while. And, you know, um, eventually, you know, Makai was like, listen, I know you don't want to leave, but she said, my parents are here. We're going to be just fine. You go do the photo shoot and kick ass with it, you know, knock it out of the park, make it amazing and uh, and, and land us a new gig with the New York Times, you know. And so I was like, all right, if you're sure, that's what I'm going to do, right? And so she said, I'm sure, go do the thing, you know, get out there and get it, you know. And it was just so cool. I just felt like this passion. Like I just had this baby and your heart is beating and everything. And, you know, my wife believes in me, you know, and I got to go out there and make some money, you know. It's like this, I don't know, I felt like Cinderella man, you know, like I got to go out there and you know, box it out, you know, and, and make that paycheck, you know, and it was just so cool. And so, uh, you know, the, the very next day, uh, July 23rd, I, um, I, I leave the hospital, you know, early in the morning, go home, take a shower, clean up, get dressed, drive over to the Capitol Hotel, pick up the New York Times writer, and we drive down to Hope together. And, uh, you know, we're, we're driving and, and just kind of getting to know each other and everything. And I didn't really want to let her know that I just had a baby the day before. Cause I don't know, that's just kind of a crazy thing to, to tell somebody, um, you know, but anyway, we're just talking and everything we go shoot the whole day and it was so cool. It was so fun. And I'll, I'll never forget before, uh, we got there, you know, I said to her like, Hey, so, um, you know, I'm I'm wide open to any tips or pointers or specifics that you have for me or, or direction. You know, this is my first time shooting for the times and I want to get it right. So feel free to tell me what to do. Um, but also feel free to let me, you know, whatever. Like if, if you want me to do it my way, that's fine. But if you got any pointers, I, I'd love them. And, uh, and I remember she goes, just we want the photos to be times in. And I was like, that's, that's an amazing direction. Like, I know what you mean by that somehow. Like, you know, I, I've, I've read the New York Times. I see the New York Times. I want the photos to be timesian. Okay, like, I get it. Like, automatically, I was just like, I, I understand what you want, you know. And, you know, it, it was just cool to, like, that was the direction she gave me. It's, like, so, like, obtuse, but also so acute, you know. It's like... Anyway, so I go shoot the thing. There's, it's just, it's one of those rare like news stories that was just purely positive, right? It was just about watermelons, you know, and this little culture of watermelon farming. And we went to all these different watermelon farms and this place where this guy has won the award for the biggest watermelon at the Hope Watermelon Festival every year. And we shot photos of those. And then we went to this University of Arkansas campus, agricultural campus down there where they were you know, engineering new types of watermelons and seedless watermelons. And we're, you know, shooting in the field with these guys and, 
you know, then we go to this watermelon festival thing and eat all these different types of watermelon. Then we had this great tour guide uh, for the day that showed us around. It was just so cool and so fun. And, and it was just a really great time. And so on the way back from the shoot, you know, when, when we wrapped it up, I was like, I know that I got some killer stuff in here absolutely killer stuff and so I was feeling good about it and me and the writer Kim had had really gotten along well and so we're driving back um back to Little Rock and so we're, we're just chatting it up in the car some more and uh and she's kind of you know asking me some questions and stuff she said so tell me about your family you know do you, you got you got any kids or anything and I said yeah you know uh, so I've got a wife and and a, a two-year-old and uh I was like you know, believe it or not, we we actually had our second kid yesterday. <laughs> uh, and she was like, what? You had a kid yesterday? What are you doing here? You know, like, why are you here with me when you just had a baby yesterday? And I said, that's a great question. And honestly, I said, like, look, my wife is super cool. I'm trying to, you know, really work on this photography gig. And we talked about it and she said, you know, go do the shoot. And I said, you know, I, I just really wanted to shoot for the New York Times. And this is an important opportunity for me. And I just really, um, I just needed to do this gig. You know, I, I was excited about it and, and it was cool. You know, everything's good with the baby and her parents are there and blah, blah, blah. She said, oh my God, that's, that's amazing. You're crazy. This is awesome. And she goes, hang on, I got to make a phone call. And she calls, um, she makes a phone call on speakerphone. She calls her boss in New York City. And she says, hey, it's Kim. We had a great time at the watermelon thing. And she goes, I got to tell you about this photographer that came with us, Jacob Slayton. She said, he's amazing. He's awesome. And uh, he did a fantastic job. And the guy's like, okay, great, you know, whatever. And Kim says, I want you to make him the new guy for Arkansas. Anytime you need anything in Arkansas, I want you to call Jacob, you know, like put him at the top of your list. And the guy's like, okay, hey, if you like him, I like him. And I could hear him like typing my name in and put my number in. And, uh, and, and he's like, all right, cool. He'll be our guy now. And she's like, all right, thanks. Blah, blah, blah. You know, see you later. Hung up the phone. And I was like, I was honestly like almost tearing up, you know? And I just was like, I was like, wow, thank you for doing that. That's incredible. And, you know, she had also explained to him that like, I just really wanted to shoot for the New York times and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, it was just, a, I mean, talk about like an amazing referral, right? And uh, I, I remember I just gave her a fist bump and I was like, you're my hero, Kim. That, that was incredible. Thank you so much for doing that. She was like, no problem. So, you know, I mean, that was just wild. And uh, we, we get home from that and, and I go back to the hospital and everything and, you know, told Micaiah all about it. And I'm sitting at the hospital, like uh, uploading photos and filing my images and everything. And it was really wild. Like there's very specific, um, you know, requirements for filing images to the New York Times. You know, you have to follow these procedures and protocol and the caption writing stuff has to be exactly correct. And, you know, it's just wild. And, uh, you know, I did all that. It was just so fun. And then um, a, a couple days later, we had come home from the hospital and everything. And uh, a couple days later, maybe one, maybe two days later, the story came out about um, about the watermelons. And I had been, like, checking on Google, you know, for, for New York Times story with my name. Because, you know, it was going to use my, my credit for the images. And so I see the story pop up. And I didn't even read it. I just drove up to Starbucks 
and bought a copy of the New York Times for that day. And I sat down in the in the coffee shop there and opened it up. And I knew that it was going to be in the dining section of the of the newspaper. Uh, but I, what I did not know was it was going to be a full color, full size photo that took up the entire um, cover page of the dining section from the top half of the fold. So, I mean, it was just huge. And uh, it, I mean, it even like sort of bled into the masthead, I remember, of the dining section. And there's this amazing huge shot that I had taken of these two farmers out in this field and uh, and they're holding these little watermelons, you know, and, and right under the photo it says, the caption, and then it says, Jacob Slayton for the New York Times. And I was just like, oh, yes! Like, this freaking exists. I did it. It's in print. It's in full color, even. The New York Times, like, is there a bigger newspaper in the world than the New York Times? I don't know about one. Um, I mean, it's just is the ultimate, you know, and then like less, well, a little bit over a year, I went from being absolutely unemployed, absolutely dead broke, absolutely just shooting, you know, cheap family photos to being a New York Times photographer. I mean, what are the chances, you know, and look, I want, I want to be the first to say, I didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. I think the reason I got those jobs and that I had any real success in photography is because I was in the right place at the right time and I was nice to people along my way that thought of me later when they had an opportunity come up and they said, Jacob's a good guy to talk to you for this. I really think that's it. It doesn't have anything to do with my skill. It's all about how um, I was just a decent person, you know, and, uh, and, I, and I can be polite and I know how to like spell in my emails and stuff. That's pretty much it. The fact that I have any talent at all in photography was, you know, a bonus. I mean, it's not a bonus. It's a, it's a requirement for the gig. But, you know, there's a lot of great photographers, you know, that uh, that don't get opportunities like this. And I don't know, it's I can't count it to anything but luck and God being good to me. Um, and, and really maybe just being a yes man that I, you know, I, I take jobs that I'm absolutely unqualified for, but that's how it happened, you know, and it was just so freaking cool to have this newspaper with my name in it and inside, you know, there's more photos from the day and it was just wild, you know, and, it, and, uh, even though I didn't get paid a ton of money for it, um, I, I got paid in, you know, um, notoriety, you know, or just name recognition, um, at least around my town, you know, and people would say, like, did you hear Jacob Slayton had photos in the New York Times? You know, it's just that kind of stuff goes a long way. You know, it's all about that word of mouth. And, and uh, you know, it, it was just amazing. So the summer continues on, you know, now we got a brand new baby at home. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but he also cried a lot. Not as bad as Emma did, but he cried a lot. And, uh, you know, it's rough getting used to, you know, being in newborn baby mode again, you know, but it was amazing, you know. And just like I did with Emma, I would take Wynn out and, uh, you know, walk around in the evenings down there at, uh, at Holy Souls Church in the courtyard and look at the statues and just you know, have those special moments, you know, and just, um, 
you know, being on kind of night duty and, and, you know, doing the pat in the back and, you know, rocking him to sleep and changing the diapers. You know, it's just a special time, you know. It's just an absolutely special time. And I remember this one time I was standing in, in Wynn's room, you know, in the middle of the night and it's dark and there's the sound machine on and everything and you're tired and I'm just holding my son and just kind of rocking back and forth with him and kind of patting him. And I remember just praying for him. Uh, while I was holding him and I was just praying, um, God, like, I just pray that when would come to know you in his life, you know, and that, that he would, you know, enjoy the same relationship with you that I have, that, that when would come to know you, God, in his life. And, you know, it was another one of those rare moments where I felt like God just gave me like a, a, a little, a little nugget of truth in my head. And he said to me, when knows me better than you do? He just came from me, you know. He just came from my side, and he he knows me better than you do right now. And I was just like, whoa, like that's whoa, that's a heavy one, you know. Um, but like, uh, that's true, right? You know, it's got to be true, you know. The, the little ones know the king better than we do, you know. Our understanding and our connection with that you know, diminishes as we um, leave his side, you know, and then maybe it grows closer as we begin to approach his side again towards the end of our lives. But, uh, you know, when you're alive walking around down here, you're not as connected as you could be or as you would be or should be or used to be or will one day be again. You know, it's just like this really interesting understanding that like, you know, God said like, oh, I know him. Don't worry. You don't worry about him. I got that covered. You know, it's just like, yes, like, thank you for that moment. You know, it's just a beautiful thing. So we're raising the little kids, you know, we got our little two-year-old and our little baby and it was just fun, you know, just our little, little four-person family and I'm shooting weddings and shooting kids photos and stuff and doing all that stuff. And then by the fall, the Clinton School gig starts going back up again, and uh, you know it, I was I was the main photographer for it, and so now I'm shooting you know five six seven times a week down there, and making five six seven hundred dollars a week down there, and it was just there was a steady paycheck was amazing, and uh, you know I got a few more jobs for the New York Times you know later that year, and I had shot one for Reuters that year and you know just kind of getting a little bit more of that type of thing and just kind of getting out there you know a little bit more and in October uh my brother Hunter called me uh from New York and he said he might have a photo job for me he was working at the time for this company called PCMA the Professional Convention Management Association PCMA and I didn't really know much about it. I knew that he was writing for their, they had a magazine, like an industry magazine about the meetings and conventions industry, which is bigger than you realize. It's a huge industry. And uh, and so he was working for this company and he said, hey, we've got our annual meeting coming up in January and we're looking for uh, photographers. And he's like, I don't, uh, he, like he didn't, um, you know, work in that department or anything. But uh, I guess there must have been like an intercompany email that said like, hey, if you know any photographers, we're taking bids for this for this job. And uh, and so he said, this is a long shot, but 
you know, if you're interested, I can, I can at least put you in touch with somebody and you could send them a bid, you know? And I was like, absolutely. Like, I don't know anything about this, but I want it. Like if it's a photo job, I want it basically. And so, um, he put me in touch with this girl named Maggie and, uh, we went back and forth with some emails. Basically, uh, she told me that their annual meeting was going to be in Las Vegas in January. And it's a huge meeting, 5,000 people, big, big deal. It's like a week long event. And, uh, you know, would you be interested in sending us a bid for that? You know, and she had asked me if I had experience shooting events and stuff. And, and, you know, I did from the Clinton school, you know, shooting public speaking and, you know, sort of networking luncheons and things like that. And so I was like, yeah, I do. And so, you know, she, she asked me if I'd send her a bid. And I said, uh, I said, I would love to send you a bid. I will definitely send you a bid. Um, but I was like, to be honest with you, I've never bid anything this big before. I've never bid a multi-day event. Um, can you kind of help me, you know, help me out with like, maybe if you can give me a budget that I need to try to be in or how would you like to receive the bid or that kind of thing. And she gave me a few tips and stuff. And, and then I called another friend of mine in photography and I said, you know, explain the deal. And it's like, can you help me come up with a bid for this thing? So he helped me figure out how to write it out and the phrasing and, you know, the, the way the bid is supposed to look and all this stuff. So I sent her the bid and at the end of the email where I included the, the bid at the end of the email, I basically just said, look, I will. I want this job. I want your business, and basically, I'll do this job for whatever you guys have in the budget for it. You know, I, I don't know if my number is even close to where I ought to be for this thing, but like, I'll do the job for for whatever you want me to do it for. Just give me a chance. You know, honestly, I did not think I was going to get the job, but to my great surprise, I get an email back from her, and she said, "Hey, this is great." can you do it for this much? And I said, absolutely. And she said, you got a job. Um, and we'll start talking about details uh, very, very soon because it's coming up in January. And uh, it, it was a really, really nice job. And it ended up being absolutely the biggest paycheck of my photography career, considering that I am still shooting for that company now in 2021 and uh, so I've had, you know, 11 years of shooting for them twice a year, these two big conventions. And it's just been the best paycheck for me. Like, like it's just, uh, it's, it's an amazing job. It's been so much fun to shoot for them. And it has led to so many other massive, massive jobs for me. Um, it's, it's probably been the best connection I've made in the photography world. And so that's basically how the year ended. You know, I've got this job coming up in January. I've been shooting for the New York Times. And, you know, because of the New York Times, they send those photos out to all these other magazines and all these other languages around the world. And I ended up being published in over a dozen countries internationally. I had shot a cover story for a magazine in Pennsylvania. I had been paid to take pictures of Bill Clinton, Lisa Ling, Jesse the Body Ventura, uh, this guy that wrote several seasons of The Wire on HBO. My website had gotten thousands of hits from 43 different countries in all but three United States. And it's just, in, that truth is incredible to me. And when I checked those website stats, it was staggering that 
my work was actually spreading and that my job was growing and my business was working. And then we fell into the very next year, 2011, which is a very strange year that we're going to talk about next time. It's a year that somehow is lost to my memory in a lot of ways, but I've got some things that we're going to talk about that were amazing, including shooting that convention in Las Vegas and two awesome events that I did not shoot but loved participating in, which were my little brother Scram's bachelor party and wedding, which were both fantastic and memorable and magical. And we're going to talk all about it next time. So please come back and check it out. And uh, just thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Some of you guys have been letting me know um, just that you are enjoying the podcast, whether it's through social media, on Instagram. I've been getting a lot of love, and I appreciate that so much. I love hearing from you guys. Thank you for saying things to me. If you don't follow me on social media already, it's really just Instagram, at Jacob Slayton. Give me a follow. Shoot me a message on there. Thank you for listening. I love you guys. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you next time.